0: Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 327, and today we're going to talk about how to raise money and launch products using crowdfunding, and uh, we're also going to talk about some mistakes to avoid, and I have a special guest that's going to be helping us with this who's actually been through this time and time again, and she's seen a lot of ups and downs and things that are done right and things that are done wrong, and uh, I just kind of wanted to dig into this topic because I'm pretty interested in it. I think it's a great business model for some people, and I say business model. It's a way to launch your business or a new product, and uh, that expert, by the way, is Kirsten Ross, and uh, she really has been doing this for quite a while, and she's going to tell exactly how she got started in it, but she's also going to talk about a campaign that they ran when she first got started, which was a flop, and she's going to talk about why, and then after They just tweaked a few things it was a huge success. And I think that's really important to understand because sometimes just a few tweaks can make a huge difference. I mean, I'm talking about just your listing alone. You can change some images and boom, all of a sudden you get a, a listing that's converting now because you changed something but you thought you knew what people liked but you have to test things throughout this process. And the same thing goes for crowdfunding, I guess. And uh, that's what she's gonna share with us. So let me just say this though, before we jump into this topic, this is a little bit more advanced advanced advanced, obviously, if you're just starting, probably isn't going to be something that you're going to need right now. You still probably want to listen because you know what, it's good to understand what is possible if this seems to be something that might work for you down the line or maybe a partnership or maybe another brand that you work with, because I think as we evolve with this business, we're going to start to see other opportunities, and this can be something that you can entertain if the time is right. But if you are just starting or if you're brand new to the podcast, first off, I just want to say, Welcome, and a little little handshake here through through this audio recording. I just want to say welcome, and I would invite anyone that's brand new to one of our live workshops that we do. We do these weekly, generally weekly, and uh, we talk about how to launch a product from from start to finish, and then we also talk about product research and finding that market or finding that product. So if you want to register for an upcoming live workshop, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop, and you'll see the upcoming workshop there. You can register, and then we'll notify you when we end up doing it, and then uh, you can hang out with us, you can ask questions, it's totally live, and uh, yeah, would love to see you there, so that's for anyone that's brand new, that's just getting started, that is probably where you want to start, now, I also want to say show notes. This is going to be one you're probably going to want to download. There's a lot of great information, and like I said, she's going to take us through uh, you know, a couple of case studies, in a sense, as far as like what happened when they started and what they learned through that process. So If you are interested at all in crowdfunding, this is definitely, definitely one you're going to want to download and use the transcripts to actually print out, maybe even, and use it as a little guide. So um, TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash 327 is where you'll find all of those show notes. Uh, we've got links we've got transcripts all that stuff is over there all right guys I'm gonna stop talking now so you guys can enjoy this episode that I did with my good friend Kirsten Ross enjoy hey Kirsten thank you so much for coming on the podcast how are you doing this morning
1: Scott I'm awesome thanks for having me I'm really excited for this is it morning where you are
0: Yes. I think we're in the same time zone. Oh, we are. Okay. I didn't know
1: Possibly. That. I'm in Toronto, so. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, we are then. We are then. I wasn't sure. I thought Amazing. the last time you and I chatted, I thought we had a time difference, but I don't know. We did. We did. Um, okay, so you were somewhere else at that yeah. time. Yeah.
1: Okay. I was in London at the time, so ah, we are yes. like five hours difference. Yeah.
0: Okay. I knew there was something, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just crazy. But uh, all right, nope. cool. So nope, I'm not, not going crazy. <laughs> all right, awesome. Um, all right, so what I really, I, I just want to, I guess, dive into what we're going to talk about today, which is really about- you know, a lot of people get started or they're limited on cash or they have a product idea or they want to expand their product line, but sometimes capital is the issue. And I know you have some experience with, uh, you know, crowdfunding and, and just ways to maybe even go after, uh, you know, finding that money. And, uh, I just really did want to dig into that topic with you today, but before we do that, maybe you can give people a little bit of a background as far as, uh, you know, who you are and, and kind of like how you got into this whole space.
1: Yeah, it's funny because um, everything that I've gone through in business, I've pretty much fallen into it. um,
0: Haven't we all? (laughs) Biochemistry graduate.
1: (laughs) I know. Yeah, it's, it's weird, but like... When I was 17, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. And then uh, two years in university, I got recruited by a, like an entrepreneur organization to teach you how to run a business over a summer. Okay. And I was like, sure, why not? And I ended up working with them for seven years um, and falling in love with entrepreneurship. Um, that's how I got my start in consulting because uh, oh, my position with that company uh, developed into me onboarding a lot of new franchises and helping people go from zero to six-figure revenue in six months. Wow. and um, I had a chance to build a consulting business when I left cause I wanted to, to do my own thing. And after traveling the world for a bit, being inspired by Tim Ferriss, um, I was like, I want to be a freelance consultant, but, uh, I spent like two years trying to figure out how to build that business. And I wasn't really specific on what I was doing. I was a sales consultant, which can, is an umbrella term for, I will do anything to help you get more customers mm-hmm. basically. Um, so after I moved back to Toronto, uh, cause I was living in the UK at the time, I connected with a local founder who ended up being the first, um, crowdfunding project that I did. He's like, I have this really cool, um, vest that helps you lose weight. The thing is that I need funding to manufacture units and get this to market. And you seem to know something about digital marketing. So do you want to partner up on this thing? Wow. And I was like, okay, I don't really know what. Kickstarter is, or how to do it, but it can't be that hard. <laughs> so, famous last words. Um, so we ended up launching campaign one on Indiegogo, which was an absolute disaster. We raised sixteen thousand out of a fifty thousand dollar goal, um, which basically means we couldn't do anything with the product. Okay. Um, so at this point, we're like crap, we have a failed campaign and we need funding and angel investors are now not going to give us money because they see that the product is a flop. So what are we going to do? We decided that our best bet was to relaunch that campaign and we analyzed everything we did wrong and we uh, fixed and changed nearly everything about the campaign and we relaunched that same product three months later um, and ended up doing over half a million dollars on Indiegogo.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. So.
0: So do you think it was, it was, it was, it was was the marketing on that product or was there other things? Uh, Was it, was it the marketing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. It was definitely the marketing because what I learned. And like you teach this with, um, with Amazon launches and stuff is that you want to have good momentum when you launch. Mm. And especially with Kickstarter, if you talk to any successful creator, they will say that your first 48 hours after launch will make or break your campaign. Wow. Okay. So what we didn't do is we, in the first campaign, we ignored that fact and we're like, well, we're just going to get people to buy. And uh, we had raised maybe a $1,000 on that first day. And so what we had to do for the second one was build up a sizable audience, get our uh, crowdfunding page in front of a ton of people, and get those early pledges in early, like on um, day one. And then that is what helped us get those big numbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On top of like a bunch of other stuff that I'm sure we're going to like talk about in this, but it was it was the audience and it was also the positioning of the product was like so off.
0: Now, okay, so, so and you, you bring up yeah. a really really good point Uh, because, and again, I do want to I want to kind of try to understand the whole Kickstarter, you know, Indiegogo. Like, I want to understand that a little bit better because, I mean, I got to be honest, I don't understand all of the workings and kind of like you know people pledge, but then like you know, do they? automatically get the product shipped and like, when do they get it shipped? And, and like all of a sudden, so I do, I definitely want to dig into that process. Um, But from what I'm hearing you say is it's like you said it's very similar to any launch for that matter it's like you build up the awareness it's not available yet you might even you know send out some videos showing about what it's going to be like to use this particular thing or this item and then talk a little bit about maybe your mission and then talk about like so to get these people already involved in the process and then when you go live it's like all right guys tomorrow's the day we're going to go ahead and start accepting pledges and then boom it all of a sudden starts to fuel that. And then all of a sudden from there, it starts to build its own momentum inside of that platform. And then it starts getting you visibility, kind of like a podcast. If you want to be a podcaster, you want to get downloads like really fast, like when you launch. So how do you do that? You build up a, an audience and let them know that you're having a podcast. If you're launching an Amazon product, you want to build up an audience and let people know I've got a new product coming out? And then you maybe give them a 25% off discount and then people rush there and then it spikes the algorithm and then it takes off. Is that kind of the same idea? Am I thinking about that part right?
1: Yep. You couldn't have said it better. Cool.
0: All right. So I get that part. So, and that that makes sense. So what you're saying is that first campaign that you guys were running was just kind of like, all right, cool. We're going to put it up on, on Kickstarter and it's going to work. And then it's like crickets. You might have a few people and you know, you did maybe a,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: And then you're like, okay, wait, we got to do this differently. We got to like, let people know about this thing and then really give it a rush of sales and then let it kind of pick up its own momentum. Um, so you, got you, it. you learned from that, right? I mean, you totally learned from it you turned it around and it's crazy that it was the same thing. It was just a different marketing strategy and probably like you said, a little bit of a different positioning of the product. What, what do you mean by positioning? Was it like for a different audience where you, were you positioning it to, or was it messaging? Like, give me a little bit more on that.
1: So it's by positioning, I mean the product perception to somebody. So when we launched that first campaign, we made the classic mistake of not, uh, not showing the campaign or the video to any potential customer or someone that fit the description of what our customer could be. So we had, um, what we thought was a winning, uh, angle of why and how we showed like the top reasons why someone should buy it and what they would use it for and all this stuff. And like, we just got it all wrong. Um, What we were hoping for it to do is we didn't want this product to look like just a gimmick because what it can be perceived as is a vest that you wear and all you do is sit on the couch all day Mm. and you lose a bunch of weight. We did not want that because those are TV gimmicks. We wanted something to present it as legitimate as like a lifestyle solution, something that you do with like a full workout program and blah, blah, blah. And like we... Where we wanted to present it as a lifestyle solution, what it came off as was a gimmick. (laughs) So it alienated a lot of the fitness community we were going after, It alienated, like, it was just, it was off. And um, that was stuff that we discovered. And we actually went back and spoke to a lot of potential customers to see how we should reframe everything so that it would be something that would speak to them when they read our sales page as opposed to. The
0: opposite. Okay. Okay. That that makes sense too. So you wanted it less gimmicky and more of like case study almost base or beta tester kind of or you know where yeah. how it's being used and people actually showing that they've they've used it even if it's a prototype like they they're showing like you know it being used. Now let me ask you this: what was the what was the pledge? Um, What was the pledge to actually get into this campaign, or was it whatever you wanted to put in?
1: Yeah. So the cool thing about campaigns is you can set different reward levels based on if you say if someone b- uh, pledges $150, they get this. If they pledge 300 they get this. So what you're doing is you can stack different packages based on how much people are wanting to pay. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's not just one.
0: Yeah. Okay. Actually, uh, you know, my good friend, you know, you know, probably John Lee Dumas, who's actually right now in the middle of a, of a Kickstarter uh, for his uh, yeah. business, you know, his, his mastery um journal. And um and he does that very, very well. And he did it from his first campaign where it's basically like, okay, if you want to just pledge whatever, you know, $20, uh, you know, and 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 get the product when it when it's released, you can. If you want to buy a two-pack, if you want to do another one and then get a a one-on-one coaching call, or maybe I'll speak at your event, or like there's these different incentives to buy more. Um, and then so when someone pledges more does that help more that the money's being raised or per units being sold? That's I'm just trying to understand that. Is it more of the dollar amount that's being raised that gives the algorithm or the I I guess the 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 push that the campaign needs or is it more or less units sold? Like I'm just trying to I'm trying to understand that.
1: Yeah. So it's actually both, but if you want to know which one will weigh more heavily, it's the dollar amount raised because how the popularity algorithm would work is based on percentage of your goal raised. So if you have a $50,000 goal, the more you raise against that, the higher you're going to rank on site. But then the algorithm will look for and map out general activity on your page.
0: Okay. But, okay. And, yeah. and if, okay. So, and if I put a pledge out there that we want, or if I got I, a goal, if I want a goal of $25,000, if we don't, if we don't hit that, what happens? Do, do you just not launch the product and then everyone doesn't get charged or do they get charged up front or do they only get charged when the product is actually met and, and received? And I'm trying to understand that. Yeah.
1: Too. Great question. So It depends which platform you use. Kickstarter is an all or nothing funding model. So if you don't hit your goal, they don't charge your backers and you don't get any money. Okay. Um, Indiegogo has a different one. They have two kinds of funding. There's fixed funding, which is the same as Kickstarter's all or nothing, or they have flexible funding. So flexible funding means that you can keep all the money raised even if you don't hit your goal. Um, but the little disclaimer with that, be sure to only select flexible funding if you can still deliver something with money raised or else you're going to have to process a lot of refunds if you can't do anything with it.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes sense. So, okay. So if I put a pledge up there at 25,000, my goal is to get to that 25,000. And if we do, then that means that we're going to go ahead and start to produce this, this product. Um, you got it. Okay. And, and if we, and if we do it at that point now, uh, when do, when is it usually, I mean, maybe there's different times, but when do the people actually get the product, um, shipped to them? Um, is there, do you put in there like different times? Like, you know, once, this is uh, met and we have, and, and it's, you know, it's over, you know, the, the, the campaigns run its course and it's over with, you know, six weeks from then you'll be, you know, we'll be shipping everyone uh, their, their unit or their units. Is that how it works?
1: Yeah. Um, yes. It does completely vary on the creator's timeline. Uh, we'll have two kinds of people that I see or two kinds of campaigns that I see on site now, mm-hmm. ones that will take the money, and then go to manufacturing which can have a 6 to 9 month lead period before you get product shipped oh, okay. or you have the ones who are say um amazon sellers or they already have an infrastructure for manufacturing so you might get um companies like the purple uh, purple that uh they did a kickstarter for their mattress a couple years ago and now they raised um like 2.5 million for a pillow they had the infrastructure and so they can deliver a lot quicker i got you um nice. Yeah, but what you'll see when you go to back any project is you'll see expected delivery date um, is whatever that date is projection wise. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, okay, yeah. So I, I'm just trying to I'm trying to gather that so it can be whatever you put on it, and it depends on how quickly you're going to be able to make it. But you want to be obviously upfront with the people that are pledging because you know if you tell them it's six weeks and then you know two months later they still haven't gotten anything, you're going to probably start getting some some emails or you know Kickstarter is like how would that work? Does Kickstarter get the The, the emails or they go directly to you now,
1: man. So I'm sure Kickstarter gets a ton of angry emails, but it's generally because what happens is, uh, they're not liable for any product that doesn't get fulfilled. It's very clear on their website. They're just there to match products with customers. And so, Yeah. yeah, exactly. So with crowdfunding campaigns, it is very, the problem with the industry is that nearly every campaign delivers late. Mm-hmm. So what you'll find is that a lot of customers will go back to the company to ask what's going on okay. with it, um, but you'll see either in the public comments on their Kickstarter campaign long after the campaigns do, or they'll it's their support inbox or or whatnot.
0: Okay, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, that that makes sense too. So um, okay, and the other thing that I've heard, and I mean maybe maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but, um, just having your, uh, product or your campaign running in Kickstarter or Indiegogo, whatever. Um, usually it ranks really well in Google. I've heard that. It as does. Well. Is that, is that also another pretty cool thing that happens when mm-hmm. you do this?
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. Cause I'll find that for a lot of the other campaigns I've run the Kickstarter or Indiegogo page will rank higher than their own website. Mm. So that's pretty cool.
0: And what happens after it's ended? Does that still stay live for a certain period of time? I'm just imagining someone coming in six months and then seeing that page and it's ended. And then is there a link that would go to your website? Like, or does it get taken down? I'm just trying to think about how that would work.
1: Um, Yes. So Kickstarter campaigns, uh, once they're finished, you'll have a, like it turns into like a landing page where Mm -hmm. you can see the campaign, but there will be a button and you could set that button to whatever actually you could say pre-order now go to website oh, cool. go check out our indiegogo campaign because um, indiegogo you can do a pre-order feature it's their in demand oh, which will okay. let you continue pre-orders even after your campaign ends so that's pretty cool
0: have you seen anybody using the launch platform inside of amazon to run one of these campaigns similar to like a kickstarter where they're they're basically doing a pre-order um i've seen one happen have, recently on you haven't seen that
1: No, not. I mean, I'm sure people are doing it. Mm. I just haven't been, I haven't had any experience with that.
0: Yeah. I've seen that there, there's a couple of, there was actually a couple of popular games that were being created. And during that process, they were like, you know, uh, our scheduled launch date is like, let's just say, I don't know, November 1st or something. And it was like two months before it was going to go. And then they started collecting a whole bunch of pre-orders. And then once that the product was made and shipped in, everybody would get their thing. But it was, uh, it was pretty interesting too. I'm not sure how that how that works out. But uh, I just thought I'd ask you, cause I didn't know if you had any experience with that, but with those two platforms, Indiegogo and Kickstarter, like which one do you have a favorite that you like better than the other?
1: So I'm platform agnostic. I love both of them. Okay. Uh, but the difference is that Kickstarter has the bigger audience and they're the Kleenex brand of the industry. So okay. everyone knows what Kickstarter is, yeah. not so much Indiegogo. Personally, I love dealing with Indiegogo because they, they, Will get their hands dirty with strategy and get you on the phone to help whenever possible. And it is nearly impossible to get somebody on the phone with Kickstarter. Oh, okay. So well,
0: that's pretty big. Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: It's it's yeah. But if I if I was I this, if I was Google this Google. to say to you,
0: I'm like, all right, Kirsten, like you know what? I've got a really cool idea for a product, and I want to go ahead. And, um, I, I want to get some funding for it to see if it's even going to fly. Like, so I, the way that I'm imagining it, and would this be a good strategy or not? If I said, you know what, I've got this really cool idea. Um, and I've, I've went and I did some research on it. I can get it made. It's going to cost, I might even have a prototype and it's going to cost me, you know, I got to maybe, I got to order at least 10,000 units of this thing in order to have it made for the price that I can get it done for, but I don't want to do it unless I get paid. So I want to throw this up there, let people see the prototype type, have a video about it, explain it and all that stuff. And then I throw it up there. And then from there, if I was to do that, which platform would you say is the best? And would that be a good strategy, uh, to basically do it that way? Um, versus, you know, maybe another way that you could think of for like a brand new product that we might want to, that we might want to roll out.
1: Cool. I love, um, Crowdfunding wise is fantastic just because what you get is this massive community of people. And assuming you have a winning product that is going to get sales on that platform, you are going to get a lot of visibility and a lot of sales from the crowdfunding community. So I love the platform for that reason. If you could rank, Hmm. Um, in terms of which platform to go with, if you were to work with someone like me. I have connections at Indiegogo, and if I think it's a winning product, I'm going to bring it to them, and that's going to help us be known by that team to get extra visibility, um, press contacts, you name it. Okay. If you don't, if you're not working with the strategist and you don't know anyone, you're neutral. Um, if it's tech or something truly different, I would go Kickstarter okay. because that's where the most, the majority of the audience is.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. And so, okay. So, and if I came to you and I'm like, Kirsten, I'm like, I got this really cool idea. I know the market's huge. I've done some surveying. Um, They've actually told me what they want. This is what I'm going to build. Um, What's like, kind of like the first step that you would say, all right, Scott, this is the first thing that you need to tell me or let me know. And then we can kind of move through those steps. So maybe you can yeah, kind of walk us it. through that, maybe through this example, almost like pretend like we're not even doing this recording like right now. Like, what what do I do next, Kirsten? Like, I've got this cool product. I know the market's a raving fan base. Maybe it's in the one that I'm thinking of. It's a raving fan base of probably 15 year olds to about no, 30 year olds. I'd say it's in that in that range of people, um, you know, that. And so I don't know if some of them might be on Kickstarter. Does it matter? How do we get awareness? Like, what would be those first steps?
1: Yeah. Um, so the first step is if you, assuming it's validated now, so that's out of the question. Mm -hmm. Um, the second thing is we need to start building audience, but we need to identify what that audience is first. Mm. So first thing I would do is I get the customer, I would ask you to, um, describe your customer avatar. So really describe who your customer is, Mm -hmm. um, and different use cases. So we might have, uh, for, tap lock for example it's one of the campaigns i was on um it's a padlock that opens with your unique fingerprint okay and we had a really wide demographic of people who use this we had high school kids who use it for uh their lockers at school right. we would have right. um guys like us who might or people like us <laughs> i'm not a guy but who <laughs> will use it at the gym in their lockers right. you might have the the motorcyclists or the moms that want to use it for their garden shed mm. like it was all over the place. Okay. So we want to narrow down the top two or three use cases that we believe people are most likely going to use the product in and then see what kind of person that is and like what description, what's their story, what is their motivation and pain point as to why your product is going to help them and why they would pay for it. Okay. Okay. So I'd want to look at that first because what we can do from that information is then take the assumptions and go test it through interests on Facebook.
0: Oh, okay. So, okay. And that was going to be my, that was going to be my next question is like, so how do we test and kind of validate, um, the audience and you just kind of answered it. We can kind of run some Facebook ads to certain things to see what the, uh, what the response is. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And so even going back to that, like, okay, so let's say that I'm not even as far as I just said I was. And I said, you know, I got this really cool idea for this product and I think people are going to like it, but I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. So at that point, What is your recommendations there for someone that says, because I get a lot of people that say, you know, I've got this great idea for a product and I'm always, I'm always the one that's like, all right, first off, you know, you have to validate that the market actually wants it. So if you're going to start with your own brand new, like no one has this thing on Amazon yet or any other platform, um, that, that could be good, but it also could be bad because you might not even have people that want it. So what's your way of validating that a product is Uh, or that you would recommend to someone and say like, how would you validate that there's a market or a product, um, or that product is, is good for a market? Like what would be your steps to doing that? Would it be running Facebook ads or doing other ads and other platforms? Like what would it be?
1: I like validate. I like validating first before we spend any money. So, um, I get this conversation a lot because I get products pitched to me for launches, and sometimes I don't understand the product. Like Mm -hmm. I'm taking on, I have two projects right now for kids-related things, be it a toy or uh, something that helps with potty training. And I don't have a kid, so I don't understand the market. So what I do is I grill the client on what kind of research have you done? What other solutions are currently out there? Mm -hmm. How do you know yours is truly different? And if they can't answer those questions, I ask them to go out and start speaking to people. Mm. So I'll say, you need to first create the avatar and then find those people in your network and sit down with them and talk to them about the current issues you're experiencing in whatever um, thing, like be it potty training or or be it washing hair or whatever um, solution that your product is aiming Because you really, that's what you need is you you need those conversations with people to see, make sure the pain point is big enough that they're going to pay for it.
0: I got you. So okay.
1: okay, that's what I would do. Okay,
0: cool. And the other thing, I mean, because uh, we we have a lot of people too that what they'll do, and and I I think this is a good idea, but maybe it's not. Um, you can let me know for this type of project. I know for launching products on Amazon and, and e commerce, it is. But uh, you know, now that Amazon puts all of the reviews up from people, I mean, they're real legitimate reviews. Um, I know there's a, a guy out there that has uh, he's called the Whisperer on Amazon, basically because you know he paid a full team to dig through reviews of of products that were popular and they were selling, but they had problems. So he would read through, or he'd have his team read through all the problems and then fix those problems in a new product that would be similar to that product, but better. And then he would launch that product or the company would launch that product. And they've done millions of dollars using just that strategy alone. So my question, yeah, is, would, would you, so you're, you're saying like, that would be a, cause you're validating that these products are actually selling because we're looking at the sales numbers, but then we're not making the same product. We're making a better product or maybe we're putting a spin on it and adding another product that could actually work with the other product or something like that. So we validated it because the sales numbers are there in Amazon and then the reviews from real people are sitting there. So we aren't guessing. We know what they're saying they do like and they don't like. Is you, you think that's a, a good strategy for even
1: I love okay. that strategy yeah because it's like it's taking a step further and like going into forums and seeing what kind of conversations yeah. people are having around this specific pain point yeah um, is another like. I love
0: that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I just actually last night we did a, a workshop with a good friend of mine, Chris Guthrie, who created a software called Suite. And and inside of that, there's like five different modules of what it does. But one of the thing it, things it does is it'll take any any listing that you want to take and scan all of the reviews and it'll start to sort them like common said things together, like in three, three words or four words or five words. And then this way here, you can see common phrases of what people are saying, like, you know, it hurt me. My hand. Like, if that's said like a, a whole bunch of times and you're selling a garlic press, you might see that that garlic press was, you know, the handle was not made properly and people were all complaining about that. So, again, it's a way to speed up that process and kind of dig through thousands of reviews because some products have thousands of reviews. So, um, I, I love that strategy too. But the thing is, it does take time. But like you're saying, if you really want to figure out what the market wants and what it needs, you can already see the sales. We don't, we aren't even guessing if it's going to sell. We know people are already buying a similar product or in that space. So yeah, and then you start to understand your market. Cause it, also I've done that too. I've had products that I'm like, Oh, I know the market. And then all of a sudden you start getting reviews on it you're like, Oh, they bought it and they're a mom. And I thought I was selling to just, you know, a dad or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, no, oh, they're, they're using it for, oh, a- yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? So you totally get to learn the market. Um, which is kind of cool. So all right, cool. So validation, I think, is big. And then when you get to that point, you're like, okay, cool, I got the winning product. And you're saying that we gotta build up some type of awareness, some type of audience. Um, would you say building up that audience in the beginning, do you say like what's like the top strategy to build that audience? Like, would you say? Like if you're gonna tell me, like, Scott, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go out and start, you know, making this uh, you know, known or or getting interest in this thing before we even go live.
1: Yeah. So now that you know your interests or whatever, um, what I would do is I'd throw up a landing page and drive some Facebook traffic to it. Mm. Um, don't spend all your ad budget on this, but you want to spend at least two or three weeks testing to see who resonates the most with what you're doing. Mm. Um, and so you're optimizing that. And then what you want to do about three weeks before launch, but two or three weeks, is um, like this is what we did with Jamstack is we had... Uh, Five thousand dollars, and we pumped it into a pre-launch Facebook ad campaign. Okay. So, what we had was we were like, "Hey, Jamstack launching soon. Um, click here to secure your thirty percent off when we launch."
2: Okay.
1: Something super simple, and we uh, created an email list from about three thousand people that were ramped up and really anxious to buy this uh, to go live on the first day. So that's. Uh, the most effective strategy I've seen is just paid advertising to build up an email list big enough that's going to convert to help um, get you. Cause ideally you want to raise about 30% of your goal on that first day. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you're going for big, big numbers like the million dollar plus campaigns, you need to raise a lot of money on that first day. Mm-hmm. And that comes from audience. So
0: yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Cool. And then the other thing cool is too, and for anyone you know listening, even just with like like that Facebook, uh, you know, ad that you're running there, and I love it that you said a thirty percent off coupon because we always talk about that. Like even for us, like if we just launch, if we're launching a brand new product, um, even in a new a new market or even just in our existing market, to go out and just start running Facebook ads to a to a discount of that, that when when it goes live, you get it, and then you have it. I mean, that to me is like that's it's just a win-win because you're building up that audience of people that raised their hand and said, yeah, I'd like to buy this for 30% off. So, and then the other cool thing is with that, um, is being able to take that and then add, you know, create a, a retargeting uh, campaign inside of Facebook and also a lookalike audience, which I think would be probably pretty cool as well.
1: Yeah. The one thing to note about that is, um, if you want to do retargeting and you have a very great strategist behind it, so a Facebook strategist, uh, Indiegogo will let you retarget, okay. but Kickstarter doesn't allow you to put a pixel on your page oh, wow. just yet. Um, there's this, um, I could probably send you a link to it, but the founder of NorthAware, which is Canada's largest um, Kickstarter campaign to date, he wrote an article in QZ.com, or QZ.com on this one a hack to help you be able to retarget Kickstarter campaigns. Oh, okay. Um, I can send that to you. Uh, it's pretty technical, but it's kind of a workaround, uh, that you can do for it, yeah, but it's, definitely. it's not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Send, send that, send that over and we'll, uh, we'll just link that up in the show notes. And then if anybody yeah, wants if it. if any, anyone wants to dig into that, we can have them do that. But I think, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess what I'm saying is is okay, so the traffic you get on Kickstarter, you can't really retarget that like easily. But if you're building that pre launch list and you're driving people to your own landing page, you can. Um, are you saying yeah. that you would set yeah. up is there a landing page that you would set up inside a Kickstarter before you launch? Is that what you're saying? Or are you saying that you would do it to your own, like if, if it's a lead page, a click funnels page, whatever? As far as that yeah. landing page goes.
1: I would start with, uh, lead pages or funnels. And then once you go live, you just direct all traffic from landing page to Kickstarter. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. And I'm sure that there's some, I guess, I guess there's some, uh, some being crafty or being skilled at creating a well-designed Kickstarter page or Indiegogo page as well. And I'm sure there's probably people out there have already created a profession around building that for people. Am I correct?
1: you're correct it's just hard to find because right now the people who specialize on kickstarter or anything are very um, it's just not a niche that a ton of people are in right now okay so
2: okay
0: yeah because yeah. i mean i'm thinking to myself i'm like okay well it's kind of like you're building a sales page but in the same breath there's probably some nuances there that aren't the same that you'd have to know and um, i guess you could just model some pages that are that have had good campaigns and and kind of see what's
1: that's yeah. what i would do yeah. like the the way that I like to look at the page, if you want that to optimize, is you put a lot of like, time and money effort into your video, and then your sales page is going to be an extension of that video. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, yeah, because I think that the video in itself, it's kind of like you have a hybrid page there. You have the video, and then in the sales page, people that want to read or don't have time to watch the video, they can also see everything that you're mentioning inside the video um, inside of there, um, inside of the actual, um, uh, page or actually the campaign when people are pledging, uh, are you able to access those email addresses at any time
1: on Indiegogo? You can access the emails anytime Kickstarter. You do have to wait until your campaign finishes to get those.
0: Okay. But you will get them once it, once it,
1: You're right. Yeah, you will.
0: So again, I mean, you're building a list, a targeted list, a majorly targeted list, because these are people that pledged. Um, and so then you could also take that and, uh, and, uh, use that in the future, whether you want to, cause I've said to people too, I've said, even if you were going to do this, I would still take that list. And then when maybe you launch another product or maybe an update to this product or something, you could always retarget those people or email those people and let them know, Hey, we just launched on Amazon, go buy it. And then they go buy it on Amazon and that spikes our algorithm in Amazon. And then we rank better. Exactly. So there's a lot of cool things you could do there with that list of people that have already pledged, which is pretty cool. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. So, all right, what, what am I missing? Like, so what, what else should I need uh, to know about? And I I guess the question that I know that I'm going to probably receive, and I probably should try to think about this a little bit more is like, is this right for everyone to launch a Kickstarter campaign or like Uh, you know, or an Indiegogo or just any type of crowdfunding, is it right for everyone to do? Like, if you just want to raise some money because you want to, you just want to launch like a similar garlic presses as as your competitor, like, is this the right thing to do? Or should you just, it's only for like more products that are more original or that have, you know, a unique spin on it? Like what, what is the criteria there?
1: Yeah. I love that question. Um, I believe that that's, Not everyone should crowdfund. Um, Crowdfunding is amazing for physical products, so I'm just going to stick to that. Um, Physical products, I find that you need to have something. You do not want to be launching a Me Too product. In saying that, though, if you have a garlic press that is truly different to what is being done already, and you have a great story and it's positioned great, then launch the garlic press on Kickstarter. Um, mm. but if it's just another China knockoff, there's nothing special about it. And it won't stand out above the other really cool things on Kickstarter. Mm. So that's the yeah, thing. That makes, yeah. Um, I get a lot of, uh, people that think, okay, well I can't do Kickstarter because my ideas already been done before. That doesn't mm. matter. I feel like, um, you know, the Bobax travel jacket that raised 15 million mm. plus for like these 15 different pocket features. Um, Bobax was not an original idea. The There are so many travel jackets like Scotty Vest that may cater to different demographics. So, Scotty Vest was never a Kickstarter campaign, but they catered to the older business traveler demographic, where Bobax took the same idea, developed something awesome, but marketed it to backpackers, travelers, entrepreneurs. It was still successful. Okay, so
2: okay. Yeah. So
0: they just repositioned it, maybe added some features that would benefit that demographic or that type of person. Um, and then they, they coined it as kind of like, it's, this is specifically, de- you know, designed for the mountain climber, you know what I mean? Or, you got it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay, cool. I like that. Um, the other question I know I get a lot from a lot of people is I don't want to really do the crowdfunding cause I'm putting my idea out there and people are going to rip me off. They're going to launch my product before I do.
1: Yeah. I think that's, a legitimate concern. However, my philosophy is that if your product is good enough to rip off, you better launch because well, like yeah. someone is going to rip you off now or later, and you might as well be first to market.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a that that's a good point. The other the other thing I would ask is, okay, at this point in time, do you already go and register like trademark and and uh, do you do patent? You know, like when like when does that stuff happen? Do you wait on that stuff until you know that it's going to work? Like, yeah, that could, that could run up some, you know, that could run the tab up too. Right. And you're kind of like putting all this, this money and these resources into this thing that might not ever fly.
1: I believe in, I don't know what it is in the U S but here we can do um, patent pending. So it's like the preliminary, mm-hmm. you file it. So you hold on to the idea and then you have 18 months to um, secure a full patent. So whatever the, equivalent to that is in the U.S. i S I'd recommend that if your thing is truly awesome that you start the proceedings, but you don't get a full patent until you know that your business has legs.
0: gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And that, that is, I believe that's, I mean, we, I always see patent pending here too, but, uh, I'm just wondering on that process, but I'm sure that there's something there, like you said, that you can be in that in the stages of it, but then you're not finalized until you finalize it, Exactly. Uh, which, which is also going to probably go through more steps to, you know, making sure that it's going to be patentable and all that stuff. Um, so, okay, cool. Cause I, I know a lot of people say, I don't want to, I don't want the exposure getting out there because everybody's going to come and rip me off. And I think that's a legitimate, you know, I guess concern, but I also think that, you know, people can rip us off. I mean, there's people ripping off you know, tons of products. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's going to happen no matter what as soon as you put it out there. But once you get going, if you have uh, something in place, then you're going to be able to fend them off. And you're also going to be able to, you know, have an attorney or something that's going to have to follow through on some of that stuff eventually. And, um, you know, and then deal with it at that time. But I wouldn't let that stop me. Yeah, uh, That's me personally.
1: You same, know? same here. Um, same here.
0: You know, so all right, this has been awesome. Is there anything that I'm that I'm leaving out or that we should discuss that we haven't discussed? I mean, we kind of dug into some real examples and stuff, which I kind of wanted to do mm-hmm. because I think it's easier to kind of see how it goes. Is there anything else that that you'd want to let me know or, or anyone else know that's listening about, you know, crowdfunding or creating a Kickstarter. Yeah. Or is there anything else that you want to add?
1: I have two things. First one is, um, don't look at crowdfunding as a one-time event. Crowdfunding can be an amazing way for you to build a brand online and then you take it to Amazon and create a full business from it. So it is something to be taken seriously. Um, The second thing is that the industry, the crowdfunding industry right now is having a lot of problems with backers not or like creators not fulfilling on time because they run into so many manufacturing things that first time project creators that have no experience with supply chain management they get into and then the product gets delayed 12 months or more. Um, Mm. So I personally will not work with anyone that is looking to crowdfund for an idea you need to prove that you have something. And so I would suggest that you wait to crowdfund until you have proof of concept prototype, or you at least have a very good idea of the understanding of the manufacturing process so that you don't get bombarded with problems after your campaign.
0: Mm, No, that's, I think that's a, (laughs) I think that's a smart idea. Uh, Like you said, I mean, at least have you want the product um, basically created in a sense, but just maybe waiting to be finalized. And then you know that you can deliver on that promise Uh, because that's not just going to get, give you a bad name. It's going to give your brand a bad name. It's also going to give whatever crowdfunding source uh, that you used a bad name. So I'm sure that they don't want that either. Um, That's a, that's definitely a good point. Um, And you said you had two things. What was the other thing? Oh, that
1: was, that was two. One, treat it like a business and two don't. Okay. Yeah.
0: Crowdfund when you have a prototype. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, I didn't really know where we were going to go with this when we decided to do it, but I knew I had a lot of questions and I knew that you were the one to ask these questions too. So this has been really helpful. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be probably a lot of questions that are going to come in after this airs. So maybe we'll have to have you come back on and maybe we can address some of those questions. Oh, love that. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and then that way there, we can kind of stay on top of this because this is de- definitely something that I've been thinking about just, again, a little bit down, down the road as far as like whether it's a brand I partner with or um, one that I want to start. I, I just want to understand that process, and I think that now that we've kind of talked about it, I do understand it a lot better, and I appreciate you taking the time. Um, you want to just let people know how they can get in touch with you, and and if they have any questions, how they can reach out to you, you can go ahead and let them know that now.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you, the best thing to do is email me. It's the letter K at crowdfundinguncut.com. Um, okay, cool. And also if you are in the middle of like, if you're, you're like, okay, I want to see what goes into a crowdfunding campaign. I've actually made a um, physical product launch checklist available on my website too, crowdfundinguncut.com. Um, so you can just pick that up and, uh, see if crowdfunding is something you love or hate.
0: Okay, cool. You know, uh, and I'm going to link that up in the show notes so everyone can can head over to the show notes page. Definitely do that and uh, and grab that. I think that's great—a checklist to actually see exactly what you would need going through this entire um, you know process. I think it's uh, that's very helpful. So again, Kirsten, I want to say thank you so much. This has been awesome. I really do appreciate you coming on, and I'm sure that we're going to have to have you come back on and do an update. So I just, again want to say thank you for taking your time. This has been absolutely amazing.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I had a lot of fun too.
0: Yeah. This is awesome. So keep me posted. All right.
1: I will. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. So there you have it. A deep dive into the crowdfunding world with Kirsten Ross. And that was awesome. I mean, there was things that I learned through that process. There's also things if you could, if you could tell, I was actually trying to, uh, I guess, explain to her how I thought that it worked. And then she would say yes or no. And I have to say, I think I kind of understand how it works. Uh, She was being like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And it was like, cool, because again, that's the way that I can validate that I'm understanding the process. And hopefully you guys were able to understand that process as well. Also, Again, it's a really, really powerful a powerful idea to get your product out there before you even sell it to have it manufactured, but, and there's a big but here, like she said, you're going to need a prototype. You're going to need to already have some targeting done where you're going to have your audience already kind of... You know, not maybe built, but you have it targeted so then you can go out and start driving Facebook ads and stuff to really bring the awareness because it is going to come down to the awareness of this product and then also how it resonates with that audience. So I definitely learned a ton. I don't think I'm ready yet for a crowdfunding campaign. I don't have anything right now that I would do that with, but that does not mean that I won't in the future. And that's why I like to do these things because I've just educated myself and hopefully educated a bunch of you guys and uh, you kind of understand how. That process works. So if you want more information about this, definitely reach out to Kirsten and uh, you know ask some questions. She's so willing to give. So definitely do that. Uh, all the links that we mentioned here will be inside of the show notes page at theamazingseller.com forward slash three twenty seven. Again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash three twenty seven. Again, there was a ton of golden nuggets there, and you're probably going to want to download the transcripts and the show notes. So definitely head over there. And then anyone that went through this entire episode hung on there and you're brand new and you're saying wow that sounds awesome but you know what I haven't even started yet and I just want to get started well then I'm going to remind you guys about our live workshops definitely go register for one of those because that will get you started it'll get you moving in the right direction and it'll give you those action steps to do right now so head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop and you can register for an upcoming workshop there alright guys that's it that's going to wrap up this episode, remember I'm here for you, I believe in you and I am rooting for you, but you have to you have to, come on, say it with me say it loud, say it proud take action have an awesome, amazing day and I'll see you guys right back here on the next episode